Good morning. Welcome. This is presented to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. I'm Warren Berkeley. When is the last time you read or studied the book of Romans? Perhaps you've had the thought, Romans isn't very easy. Let me say, the more you read Romans, the easier it is to understand. And there are parts of the book of Romans that are not only not difficult, they have clear volume and urgency. I believe that is true of Romans chapter 3. I want to take us there this morning. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. What then? Are the Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Here's what Paul is doing. As a preacher of the gospel, he must show why the gospel is needed. Why is God's plan necessary? What is God addressing in the gospel? Why do people need to hear the gospel and respond? Paul, as a preacher of the gospel, must answer these questions. He must show why the gospel is needed. And that's exactly what he's doing in these early chapters in Romans. He says back in Romans 1.16 that he is not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to save. Save from what? What do we need to be saved from? Beginning with Romans 1 verse 8 over into chapter 3, Paul answers that question and the short answer is human beings need to be saved from sin. Jew, Gentile, male, female, all men and women of accountable age are guilty of sin, and the gospel of Christ is the solution to that problem, the only solution. Now, when you get into chapter 3, beginning at verse 9, Paul's point is the problem of sin has already been documented back in the Old Testament. That's right. Back in the Old Testament, the problem of sin is thoroughly documented. He says that in three words. It is written. And there follows a series of quotations. And in your Bible, these may be indented on the page or in some way set apart as quotations from the Old Testament. Paul is continuing to prove that sin is man's problem. With all that in mind, I want you to listen again, please. I'm in Romans 3, 9 to 18. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. 
No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If earlier Paul established the condition of Gentiles, here he is saying to his Jewish readers, we too are guilty of sin and therefore need Christ, both Jews and Gentiles under sin. And then the quotations are cited to make that point. John Stott put it like this, Paul arraigns and condemns the whole human race. Paul provides a series of Old Testament quotations from Psalms, Isaiah, perhaps Ecclesiastes. In stringing these quotations together, he paints a dismal picture of the human situation, which goes to the need for God to intervene to offer the redemption offered in Christ. So, what does this have to do with me and with you and with our world today? Everything. Lately, I'm hearing people say things like this. What has happened to our world? What is going on? What went wrong? This is crazy. How do we explain all this? It is typical of people when violence increases, when conflict and division seems to be everywhere, and when solutions impulsively proposed by men are nothing but angry reactions, no permanent solutions, it's typical for people to say, has the world just gone wrong? What is the problem? The problem is, as documented by Paul in all these quotations from the Old Testament and in Paul's time, his reality, and our time. Sin is the problem. This is as true and relevant today as it was when Paul wrote it to the church at Rome. When people ask us, why is the world so messed up? Can we take them to this passage? Romans 3, 9 to 18. Our problems are not essentially political, social, medical, economic, or biological. The problem isn't about where you were raised or what your race is or the complexities of cultural diversity. Let's look at this passage and let God, through Paul, tell us what's the matter. Romans 3, 9 through 18. Verse 11, no one understands. In order to understand something, it is necessary to want to understand. There are cases in the Old Testament and New Testament where people refuse to understand the truth. We will see in a moment closed minds with open mouths. Paul says about the plague that is sin, no one understands. And the next part of verse 11, no one seeks God. How different everything in this world would be if people got serious about seeking God. 
Psalm 105, verse 4, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Wouldn't that be great? And this has to be our message to the world. Paul is identifying the problem in the human race. No one understands. No one seeks God. And then he says, no one does good. Verse 12. Have you noticed that here in Romans 3, these are very simple descriptions. They're not complex, mysterious theological propositions. The problem is sin, and sin is described with these simple phrases. No one understands. No one seeks God, and no one does good. This is why our society is in such turmoil. Verse 13, no good speech. Would you look at verse 13? Their throat is an open grave. Add the rest of this. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Literally, I want you to think about bad breath. These are word pictures. Their throat is an open grave. When you picture that, it doesn't smell good. But what is being pictured here? Sin inside a person coming out through the mouth. Sin inside a person coming out through the mouth. If this were written today, given our modern methods of communication, it might read, their keyboard is an open grave, spewing out nonsense like a sick volcano. Paul is vividly identifying the problem in the human race. It is the problem today. Verse 15, no respect for life. Their feet are swift to shed blood. We all know that the COVID virus can be a killer, but the number of deaths every day from the COVID virus are far less than the number of innocent babies whose lives are taken by the modern practice of abortion. What's the problem today? I mean, the core problem. Then verse 18 summarizes, no fear of God. Reckless determination to revolt against God, the Creator. Over and over, Paul uses these quotations to prove the case against us. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one does good, speaks good, or has respect for life or the Creator of life. And there are dramatic open efforts to squeeze religion to the periphery of life. Now to abandon religion to oppose righteousness. It started as marginalizing religion. Now it is open opposition to it that may get worse. And here's what it's all about. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one does good, speaks good, or has respect for life or the creator of life. Christians believe these are our problems today. No one understands. No one seeks God so forth. Now, hold on. Look at it carefully. Paul doesn't say, uh, there is a little of this here and there. He doesn't say, here's a part of the whole problem. He doesn't say, there's some folks who've had this problem. 
He says, Jews or Gentiles, all are under sin. He quotes from the Old Testament in verse 10, none is righteous and distress that. He says, no, not one. And then he says, all have turned aside. Now, this truth wasn't written by Paul to give anyone a reason to boast of their righteousness. He certainly isn't telling the Jews they are holier than the Gentiles. To the contrary, he's going to write this in verse 23, all have sinned. I can't read Romans 3, 9 to 18 and boast, claim exemption, or use this to make myself feel better because others are worse. No, the human problem is sin. That includes me. And the gospel of Christ is the only solution. Walk with me further into this. Time for honesty. You may be living in Christ right now, but was there a time in your life when you did not seek God? You were not committed to what is good, your speech was impure, and your respect for life wasn't what it should be? Back in Romans chapter 1, where Paul is beginning to expose man's problem, there is disobedience to parents, gossip, a lack of gratitude, and lying. Have you ever done any of that? I cannot read the first three chapters of Romans and boast about myself because even if I'm living as a redeemed disciple now, I did these things and perhaps I haven't completely removed myself from these wrong attitudes and misbehaviors. Remember what Paul is doing? He's saying, here is our problem. This is why the gospel was needed. This is why the gospel is needed. This is why Christ died. Sinners have no hope without him, and sinners are everywhere. No, not one can claim righteousness outside of Christ. And folks, this is why the world is a mess. Therefore, what do Christians do? Number one, We never hesitate to name the problem. We live in a culture that is afraid of the word sin. Moral relative thinking is afraid to say something is evil or sin, and certainly to say that everybody has been guilty of sin. The atheistic mindset cannot tolerate the word sin inconsistently, Both the moral relativist and atheist negatively identify what they don't like, but to call something sinful or evil as defined in Scripture, of course, they resist. Christians cannot be influenced by that modern secular false idealism. We are obligated and should never think of backing away from naming the problem in our culture. Isaiah 5.20 is a record of what the prophet said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. As disciples of Christ, we must be just as clear as Christ was and is through the word about what the problem is. When God's law is violated, it is sin, and that is the human problem, and that is what we're seeing play out all around us. Violence, the destruction of life and property, wild, irrational reactions, 
evidence all around us of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3. Number two, let's never identify the problem without immediately identifying the solution. There was this older man in a small rural community in Arkansas. He was retired and would frequently visit with other retired farmers in the downtown area where these men often had their coffee and exchanged local news. He was known for telling these men that they were all going to hell. He would sometimes walk down the street. These men would be on the bench there discussing the day's news, and he would disappoint to them and say, you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell. He was known for telling these men they were all going to hell. At one point, one of the men who heard this said, he never told us how to go to heaven. We can and must do better than just telling people that sin is the problem. We must give the solution. Once we identify the problem based on our confidence in God's word, the next thing that should come out of our mouths is the gospel of Christ. The problem is sin. The solution is the gospel of Christ heard, believed, and obeyed. The book of Romans is an excellent resource for this purpose. Likewise, the book of Acts offers all of those accounts where apostles, evangelists, and other Christians spoke clearly about the problem and then took their listeners to the grace of God as conveyed in the gospel of Christ. Christians are people who identify the problem clearly and then immediately invite attention to the gospel of Christ. Sometimes I'm afraid in our righteous indignation, we quickly identify the problem, but we neglect to offer the only solution there is. If there is a storm on the horizon, let's urgently do all we can to lead people to safe harbor. We are offended by sin, but sometimes not enough to reach out to sinners. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Number three, we need to let our light shine, showing people the way out of sin to God and to heaven. One of the most powerful testimonies against sin is the way God's people live, the way we act. The testimony of your life, as you do the opposite of what is stated in Romans 3. That would mean good understanding, seeking God, good speech, respect for life based on the fear of the Lord. Your inner reverence of heart for God. Jesus said, let your light shine. How is your testimony? Not just what you say, but what you do, how you treat people, how you treat God. I need to call evil as it is. I need to give the solution, and I need to illustrate what righteousness looks like. Finally, I need to say this about the Bible, especially the New Testament. When the Word of God tells us the bad news, do you know what always follows quickly? The good news. Watch this in Romans 3. Out of chapter 1 into chapter 2, further into chapter 3, everybody's guilty. Sin is the problem. What's next? Listen 
Verse 23 in Romans 3 says, all have sinned. What's next? To these Christians in Rome, he says, we are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. One verse says we are guilty. The next verse says we can be redeemed. And then this leads Paul into a discussion of Christ, death, faith, repentance, baptism, and being a Christian. What about you? Are you a Christian? Have you responded to the gospel of Christ? Are you sharing this message? The problem in the world today is sin, and the solution is freely available through the activity of faith in Christ. Thank you for listening.